on my on my day of less busy, which was yesterday, I spent quite a lot of it composing a Twitter thread for once. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, I saw some some trash takes going on that were so trash and also so popular that I thought, hey, uh, I'll call them trash. Okay. In a Twitter thread. Yeah, very long one. And I was trying to be brief and I was trying to be kind and I was trying to be charitable. <laughs> and apparently I wasn't good enough because I got two responses. The first one got swiftly deleted. It did. Uh, in which I was getting called basically wrong and uh, being patronized. Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> and where my point was missed. And then that one got deleted. And then another reply that was just like, a repetition of the very thing I called out as kind of a bit racist. <laughs> It was less patronizing. Yeah, but it was like, yeah, I, I agree with you. We, this shouldn't be done. Let me do it again, though. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I had a, a Twitter spat. Uh, if perhaps ever. I mean, maybe this week, for example. In fact, no, I did. Sorry, I take that back. I had one this week oh, well because I engaged with a troll. Oh, man, I didn't see that. Right. So, this, well, I mean, this was on my professional shiny Twitter, not my undercover liking all my metalcore bands Twitter. Do I not follow your shiny Twitter? I think you do, but I'm unsure you would have seen it. So basically, my colleague, Leslie Damascio, who is a wonderful human being, she works for Radio Clyde. Yes. And uh, had reflected on the fact that she was back after maternity maternity leave or some sort of time off, and uh, the trolls were still out in force, and she would happily give out uh, journalism degrees to everybody who was in her mentions. And... Or she would correct their grammar. Oh, right. Yeah, very good. And a troll then responded to something like, oh, every journalist in this backwater doesn't have a degree or something just <laughs> terrible. <laughs> right, right. And so I, I responded with, yes, indeed. And the trolls still hide their faces. And I got a few likes. Hey. And then, he re- and then the troll rep- responded with, she's not going to shag you, mate. <laughs> Well, sorry, Colin, she's not. That must be devastating news for you. I, I was devastated. Man, and then it was, that must sting. <laughs> it's one of my other colleagues who got in touch, or former colleagues who got in touch and said, I love their reply and they have no idea why it's so funny. Yeah, they get to feel victorious and superior and they got no idea that they are just idiots. It was spoiled, though, by another... I don't think a troll, but another anonymous account who clearly knows, right? I don't know, me yeah. or Leslie, and replied, ha, 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 who wants to tell him? Yeah. But then we just le- we just left it hanging in the air, so... Ah, that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's not satisfying when you don't get to slam dunk somebody for either because they don't understand you and just blatantly repeat themselves or because they don't understand that they're the, the butt of the joke at the, because they've made themselves that. It's, it's, it's a wee bit frustrating not to have them know that they're still being foolish. I, I know we're preempting some of this discussion that's coming up, but let me just ask uh, at this point, this has come up before, do you think there is a necessity for people to have their identity verified on places like Twitter or where you can just spout things into the void or specifically at people? Um, no. Why? Because you've got the power to block people, mute people. Uh, Twitter's got the power to remove people from their platform. There's uh, all sorts of algorithms to detect bots and stuff like that. Uh, generally, the only people who actually legitimately want to have ID checks at the border of anything internet are very authoritarian governments. Uh, the UK government is currently doing that to us. Nice. They're, they're trying to track everything we do online uh, as it stands. 
Um, so I, I try to not agree with the takes of authoritarian governments. A fair point from Fair Jame, who is not verified on Twitter. Never will be. To be fair, I did try and get the blue tick once upon a time, but apparently working for STV Glasgow was not enough. Yeah, they changed their standards every now and then. There was a day where that would have been enough. But I don't, I don't think I'm ever going to have the kind of a following or a platform where it would be necessary. I don't aim for that. Because, for example, if I had a big following who would kind of like jump in and, and get engaged with things I engage with, I would not have done my thread. Yeah. So, so the freedom to kind of like call somebody out and not have a pile on is pretty nice. But but also it's the opposite of you, you put all your thoughts and efforts into a big, long, well thought out argument. You got two respondents or two responses, one of which got deleted. I don't mind the lack of responses. Um, if anybody is on, on the Twitter, you can go over a look. Uh, feel free to add your own thoughts. The, the trouble is when you put a lot of effort into a very detailed argument about a thing, and not argument, but a point of view about a thing, and then it's kind of just rubbished in one reply. It's, it's a bit frustrating, and I would, I would hope for a continued discussion. It might continue, because I asked another question, yeah. calling out the re- repetition. So I'm more, I'm more troubled that somebody who, ha- who I, I read their other threads, uh, other people were calling them out for similar things, and they were very much like, "Please be specific. Please provide examples. Please this and please that." So, and I did all that. I preempted being asked, "Please provide examples." And they're like, "Why are you writing so much? So I'm like, you can't win with these." Okay, well, if, if we were to base this show or the con- uh, continuation of this show on the amount of responses we get, we probably would have stopped the show a long, long time exactly. ago. Exactly. <laughs> I am used to to. St- yelling into the void and then having you yell back. Well, that's the that's the thing. I mean, the amount of times I question, is anyone actually still listening at the very end of the show? I, I genuinely don't know. And that's fine. I don't mind if they're not. That's great. <laughs> it just means I can say more and more risque things the further on we go. Yeah. And also, I still haven't heard back from the smorgasbord job. So we'll, we'll f- I'll keep you posted. Right, right. So no podcast deletion yet. <laughs> no, not yet. But the thing is, I'm pretty sure this was the week they were meant to be telling us who got the job? And I haven't got a call. Oh, so ah. long live Seesaw Parade. Well, it's not the end of it's not the end of the day. I mean, we could we could do a rolling deletion, leave the only the last month's worth of content as we teased. You know, no, it's fine. You know, what? once we're in more authoritarian, sorry, authoritative, <laughs> uh, both work positions of authority. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In government, then maybe we can yeah. consider deleting episodes. But yeah. <laughs> right now, from my wee closet and from wherever you are, I don't care. Let's just roll on. I'm in an office. In an office. Beautiful. Okay, this is episode 241 of Seesaw Parade, the longest running Scottish entertainment podcast with a season one uh, basically recorded by two people. And I absolutely butchered that one. I'm Colin. He's James. <laughs> Podcasts basically they work by you plug your microphones into whatever recording device you're wanting to use and you talk into them ideally with a counterpart conversation if you're having a dialogue. You can. But you can also record monologue podcasts uh, again using a microphone. Okay, well thank you everybody for listening, especially if you've made it this far, and thank you for those of you who got in touch. Izzy got in touch to respond to the chat about Nicola Sturgeon and Alex Salmon last week, oh, yeah. uh, saying Indeed. that she thought Myrtle Fraser asking Stur- uh, asking Sturgeon to apologise for Salmon's behaviour. Uh, actually gained her some support. Probably. And that she, Izzy personally, was very angry at that particular suggestion, which I completely no, agree with. That was a, that was a very good point. Uh, and I'm supposing that all that support for the SNP that was gained by said questions has been eroded because more stories have 
have uh, come out um, revealing m- that even more people in the SNP are slime. In other news, the Pope is a Catholic. Surprise! Surprise. I also failed to mention Amel had uh, responded to your chat, James, about seeing your full name and s- just realising it's too long. Oh, yeah. And needing to shorten it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she responded, uh, bearing in mind her name is Mary Louise as opposed to just Amel. Yeah. Although sometimes I've introduced or, or mentioned I have a sister called Amel and people think she has some sort of French connection or my parents birthed her in Paris. It's a cool name. It's a cool name. No, it's literally the letters M and L. (laughs) So she responded by saying, on names, at least you have short names. I feel three syllables max is what you want in a first name. I have four when people use my full name and it's just too much. People are tiring by the midway point. Children have fallen asleep before it's finished. Wars have concluded. I No, I I feel it. Like at least I can (laughs) abbreviate my full name to my one first name, which is a single syllable noise. <laughs> I liked your uh, response as well, which said, I fell asleep reading your name before getting to the tweet itself. We'll circle back after a tea. I never circle so, back. <laughs> so, so thank you for your input there. You can indeed get in touch with us. You can join in the conversation, as people like to say these days, at Seesaw Parade on Twitter or Parade at Gmail. Dot com and save us from the fact that the only people who email us are SoundCloud yes. and occasionally UK Podcast Awards 2021. Oh, so we got we got the best email of the podcast not that long ago. We, we did, so it, it's still there. It just needs yeah. it needs filled. Please fill our fill our inbox. Fill it up. <laughs> okay, coming up on the show, we have uh, lots of depressing news to talk about, but let's start with oh, yeah some. Just terrible people, starting with Piers Morgan. Oh, okay, yeah. Who has returned to form. Oh, man, yeah. Okay, James, this is the news that <laughs> Piers Morgan, oh, who... He was, he was being so useful for a while. Who actually, as we've remarked on this show before, was doing his job... And actually holding politicians to account about how they have completely yeah. mishandled the pandemic yeah. was back to his old self because Meghan Markle and Prince Harry were in the news. And on uh, Monday or maybe Tuesday morning, yeah, yeah, after seeing Meghan and Harry's interview with Oprah, which we will get to, we can, yeah, we can talk talk about that. Piers was very, very angry, and for half an hour berated or rather just went on this diatribe against, I was going to say Mrs. Windsor, that sounds like the Queen, against Meghan Markle, <laughs> including the uh, denigrating the fact that she had said in this interview that she had contemplated suicide, Piers saying, I don't believe her. Yeah. Amongst a whole host of other comments. Indeed. Basically, uh, this was then led to 41,000 complaints so uh, being sent complaints. to Ofcom, who are the broadcasting regulator, and uh, a whole host of other people saying that he should step down. And then on Wednesday, in a confrontation with his colleague Alex Beresford, uh, which again... <laughs> where, got, where, where Piers got like called out for two minutes. Yeah, for, for two minutes, Piers uh, could not handle it, walked off set, eventually returned, <laughs> and then by the end of play, he was gone. He was out of there. Bye-bye. Has left his position after six and a half years on this particular breakfast show. I'm sure he will be back. Yeah, and Janiel will get him onto his network or something. Oh, he will. He will. Before we get into a further discussion about what Pierre said and why it was so problematic and terrible, did you see any of the clips from Meghan and Harry's interview with Oprah? I've 
oddly enough, read the entire transcript. Okay, I forgot. Yes, of course, I forgot that. Yeah. Any? Uh, what, let me talk about first of all the fact that they did this interview, because a lot of what came out from it were allegations about treatment from the royal family, questions about how dark their child was going to be, and essentially flipping, f- turning the tables on some of the accusations that had been levied at them. Basically. And setting the record straight from their perspective. So just give me yeah. your general thoughts on these. I don't know. It makes complete sense to me that two people who felt like they were getting silenced and weren't getting protected from the media chose to, after a lot of time, say their side of the story on the biggest platform they could find. It just makes sense. Uh, I think they are very lucky to have access to such platforms. They are very lucky to be able to speak out at that level because there are millions, if not more, people worldwide who will face such things and won't have a platform with which to clap back. Um, A lot of the content of the interview was just banal nothing. Yep. Um, I do like that the institution was being called out. They were making it very clear that they get along quite okay with the majority of the family members. The problem is that the institution itself, all the people behind the scenes, the chiefs of staff and so on, are uncaring and they only care about public image rather than like the mental health sides of it. Yep. Um, and then peers is talk back about that and trying to su- and people people who are still trying to suggest that it's Harry's responsibility to take care of her mental health and not the institution. And it's all it's all their fault. And you can't blame the workplace, so to speak. It's, that, that was all trash takes. And anybody saying them needs to be called out. Well, well just to, to give you uh, my thoughts before we continue on, just on the argument that Piers Morgan was making about free speech and the chilling of his free speech. First of all, that argument is completely rubbish. Absolutely. Because he can say, right, first of all, he can say whatever he he likes and he, he shouldn't be arrested for it, but he can't say whatever he wants when he's employed by somebody else. No, yeah. And if they if they chose to let him go or if he left of his own accord, I don't, I don't really know, but if they wanted to let him go, that's totally fine. Because if I were to make similar comments for Pink Elephant or, you know, Radio Clyde... You know, you're damn right I'd be disciplined by yeah. my manager if I said, hey, see Meghan Markle who talked about wanting to kill herself? I think she's lying. Yeah. I don't believe a word she's saying. Absolutely. And and having such a big platform, that's something that needs to have retribution. Okay. needs to have consequence. Exactly. Which, which is the second point, which is someone, especially someone like Piers Morgan, with the platform he has, you know, way beyond just the people who are watching his show, saying that he doesn't believe a woman of colour considered suicide... It's incredibly dangerous because it's an attack on both people with mental health issues, but it also emboldens other people yeah. to call out, I don't know, people they don't like no, as yeah. liars or fakers when they talk about their own mental health. Yeah, it's the collateral. It's the collateral that's the, the most damaging thing because, right. yes, he said it about her and that will harm her individually and that's bad enough. But as you say, it's just a, a, a rock into a, into a lake. And the, the ripples that are going to spread out through society are negative. They're detrimental to the mental health of many people who are going to have yep. their experience also negated because of the views that will be echoed. Right. A, cu- a couple more points. 
when Piers walked off set, in my eyes, that's a very cleverly calculated decision to go viral. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing that he's going to get clicks and people will, you know, read more about him and uh, that just generates yeah. money for him. His Everything colleague, he does is about attention. Yeah, so his colleague Alex Berford, whose father is from Guyana, was making excellent points for, as you say, the grand total of two minutes yeah. about how awful it was having to sit there and watch Piers rant about Megan. And he's done this to loads of people and he's done this to Megan before. Yep. Uh, and to the extent that he was clearly making people on the show uncomfortable, yeah. staffers actually went to complain about him. And then Piers just was like, right, I actually, you know what? No, I don't have to sit here and yeah. take accountability for things I said. I'm off. Oh, left. A couple. Of, sorry, I said a couple more points. I lied. Two more points. Yeah, I'll keep going. I had three, two to go. It's a very interesting thing. As much as the royals, I don't really care. As much as rich people, yep. their problems are just a sign of the problems that the poor face. Like, imagine if somebody that didn't have massive means and massive wealth was facing a family situation like this like come on yeah um so like as much as the interview itself is a bit of a show and all the response to it is a bit of a show it still matters enough because it reflects on society yeah yeah you're, you're right in that i i am far less interested in the ruminations of the royal family yeah. as i am in comparison to the big picture stuff they were talking about and the impacts of it so penultimate point a lot of commentators, particularly in the States, the likes of Jake Tapper from uh, CNN, a mm-hmm. bunch of right-wing folk as well, ah. who were astonished that <laughs> Ofcom, yeah. astonished that Ofcom, an independent group, were investigating what Pierce said. Now, having worked myself in the British media for a decade and been subject to those same rules, they're there for a reason, so that there's regulation, there's accountability for the things we say, which is which means that I can't just go on air and graphically describe how people died yeah. or spout political or racist views in a news segment, which is ironically what we see in the States with the likes of Fox and CNN, broadcasters who have yeah. wholeheartedly picked a side and are free to mislead, manipulate, lie, publish propaganda without any consequence whatsoever. Yeah, that is a bit... Strange to see this response from the states about like how much reg- how much regulation there is over what can be aired in the UK, and I'm like, well, I, we don't want to be like you. <laughs> well, I, I, precisely. Please. <laughs> and my my final point before I yeah, I've got I've got a couple that I'll try okay, to remember. Final point based on everything we know about how the media impacts people's mental health, particularly people in high positions, and then the impact of that. Caroline Flack, uh, yeah. being a very sad recent example. Mm-hmm. It's so important that we do have regulations for this sort of thing. Yeah. Because you, it's, it is in black and white. When there's coverage of a celebrity suicide, or when suicide's in the headlines, suicide rates of normal people go up. Yeah. That is a fact. Yeah. So that is why... What Pierce was saying about not believing someone who is talking about taking their own life Perhaps, yeah. is so problematic. Uh, yeah, it is. There's nothing. There's nothing more to say on that point. He said something that would directly lead to harm for the masses. Correct. Okay. Uh, over to you. Any further points after that? Uh, okay. Since you you brought up you mentioned America, and it made me laugh in my head because uh, all the not all of it, but quite a lot of the right wing talking heads. <laughs> they came out to say their pieces and, and they very often ended up heavily defending the monarchy of the of the yeah. UK. Uh-huh. Which is just funny. 
because it's the Republican side of the argument. It's the right-wing side of the states. They should be absolutely anti-monarchist. They're all they're all coming out and complaining <laughs> that like, how dare you not respect the royal family? Some of them have served in the wars, and it's like come right. But on. but the Conservative Party in the UK are also are also very pro monarchy. Yeah, yeah, it's slightly different. Um, comparing us the UK to the US, where the US they're very proud that they fought a war and won a war to detach themselves from the monarchy. Yep, that's yeah. fair. Um, so that was just something to laugh at. Uh, the another point I want to make is that having read uh, the the transcript twice um, because I was trying to be a diligent tweeter, um, Meghan and Harry said a lot of stuff, covered a lot of topics. A lot of it was very worth hearing, um, and I hope leads to change, especially if it leads to change about the the powers that of what tabloids are allowed to do and allowed to publish. And because the tabloids yep. are a disgusting mess that cause endless pain. Um, some things that the couple may have said would have may, may be a little bit inaccurate. I've seen a lot of people latching on to those inaccuracies and using them to negate everything else. They're saying, hey, this, this wasn't 100% right. Therefore, nothing they said matters. And I'm like, no, they're allowed to make a mistake or two. They might face repercussions for that mistake or two that they made. It doesn't mean that everything else that they said was less important. Yeah, uh, a big part of what Megan said that I thought was important was was again relating to the fact that she is a person of color, marrying into one of the most established white families in the world, and how big yep. that would have been for a lot of uh, people worldwide who relate to her, seeing her entering into this power environment. Uh, as somebody who is not white and all the people in the world who are either are not powerful or not white who can relate to that um, that was significant she 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 really did represent a big shift in something even if the the royals don't matter to me they matter to society therefore the the shift that she represented was big and there's a bunch of people and this is partly why I called out on Twitter trying to suggest that she's not like she's not colored enough to do that. She's all dark enough, basically. Or yeah. she's too white to do it or something. And I'm not really sure what the overall point is, but I've seen this echoed in a lot of articles uh, and a lot of um, opinions that somehow there is absolutely no chance that she represented a change. And it's like, no, she did. So just because like she didn't understand the rules around when, when her kids get to become prince or whatever doesn't mean that she is no longer a person of color. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on then from that to... Uh, something awful in London, which has been... Which is a harrowing uh, instance. Yeah, which has been kind of rumbling on now for a few days and certainly on social media has gathered a lot of traction. This is the disappearance slash kidnap and murder of Sarah Everard, who is 33, was walking home from South London, uh, her home in South London last week, and uh, was last seen on some doorbell camera half past nine, and had then been missing for the last seven days. A serving Metropolitan Police officer has since been arrested in connection with her disappearance and murder. Human remains uh, that were found during a search have now been confirmed as of Friday afternoon as hers. So this story then led to an, an outpouring of people on social media sharing their experiences and their stories of 
just doing regular things that I took for granted, like walking home with headphones in. Yeah. Or saying, hey, it's midnight. I'm going to go for a run. Exactly. And not thinking twice about that. Yeah. And seeing the amount of responses from people I know and people I was reading about for the first time really did, and this may sound silly, but it really did open my eyes to the things I've taken for granted as a man who can just freely walk about and run about in the dark and not have to worry about it. Yeah, there there are countless things that, as a as a male, you never think, "Hey, this is something to worry about." But yep. for for any female in almost any country, if not every single country, it's a daily concern. So there's a a couple of points we can take from this. The first of all is the horrendous circumstances surrounding this actual uh, news story, which is the fact that a, an officer. Uh, which is now being investigated, mm-hmm. had been reported for indecent exposure and it wasn't followed up. Yeah. And this is the same man who's now been arrested. There's, even like, even in the UK, I know we've talked a lot about American police accountability for a long time, but even in the UK, the police are pretty established to not really investigate themselves very well. Um, it's terrible. It needs to be changed. And the second aspect then is, of course, the the fact that this woman was walking home at you know half past nine in a, I thought we want to say Clapham somewhere fairly just, just busy then, yeah. urban as you would have thought and it, it, despite I'm sure doing all the things that I've heard and read about women doing you know phoning people to to let other people know that they're speaking to someone mm-hmm. or texting them to say oh I'm going to be home at this point or text me when I get home yeah or holding your keys in between your fingers so that if anyone does try something then you at least have some sort of defense even though it's very little it's difficult to know what the next step is because a lot of what was uh what i was seeing on social media it was overwhelmingly positive towards okay men need to do something oh yeah yeah. but of course there were there were the occasional people who were saying well it's not all men yeah come on you can't tar all of us with the same brush and those people need to be called out because they're being really stupid yeah sometimes when these stories come out, there is a very seemingly accusatory men are the issue um, statement from a bunch of people and it feels like an attack, right? But they, but they are they are the issue. That's the problem. The problem is that it's just true that overwhelmingly men are the problem. Um, overwhelmingly, um, toxic masculinity and masculinity in general as society has led us to where we are are the problem where uh, men are never taught empathy. They're taught to be powerful men are never taught consent they're taught that hey you just take take what take what you please um and it's it's not via direct education it's just via all the media that's being produced for 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 ages and ages is that men are the powerful ones and they just do what they want blah blah, blah. and it all seeps into the the brain of the young man and they never get taught what they need to know to understand the effect they're having on someone so when someone says Hey, men are the problem. If your response, and I've tweeted this actually today, if your response is like to curl up into a defensive ball and think men aren't the problem, I'm not the problem, then you are being a problem. Yeah. Because men are the problem. (laughs) And by you ignoring it and saying that because you think you're not the problem, no men are the problem, you're, you're engaging in no effort to help. And by not trying to help, you are just allowing the problem to continue. So if you are a problem and if you are a danger, you got to change your ways. If you 
upon hearing people's stories about harm and about un- like d- uncomfortable situations or about or about being pressured or anything, if you hear those and it makes you think, hey, that was me like four years ago, change. Don't like curl up into a ball and try and pretend that what you've done is okay. If you have been great and you've never done anything wrong as a, as a man or as a person in this position of power, examine the way that you've led your friend group. Examine yourself as to how have you always called out all of your mates if they say something um, sexist? Have you called out your mates if they, if they degrade someone? Have you called out your, your friends or even strangers that you see? Um, because people need help. Females need support and help and safety. And it's not been around for millennia as far as we're concerned. So every, sing- every single one of us out there, as, as men or women or anyone, needs to be using at the very least the voice that they have to advocate for change. A couple of points. It would be great at this point if we had a female host on the show. I'm very aware that we are two white men talking about this. But James, I would say confidently that you and I are the kind of people who would be avoiding the kind of honking our horns at women on the street or wolf whistling or cat calling or, or anything like we've I'm, been seeing on social media. I, I don't I don't want to do a whole layer than that, purely because I think the the only reason I'm not one of those people is because I stay in my flat and don't do anything. It's like, it's, it's, a, it's a social thing. I wasn't socially brought into that pack. I think anybody is capable of being misled and becoming that kind of a person because of the, their upbringing, their social circle, all of these things. So, so my point is, what is it that other people, or sorry, men generally, are unable to see the problem with, with the things I've just mentioned? Because to perhaps logically thinking members of society, you'd see, okay, that's in- putting that woman in an incredibly uncomfortable position. It's, it's inappropriate. It's, uh, I'm sure, scary in some cases. Why are people unable to see that if they are the ones who are, uh, who are doing those things? It's, it's because of a lack of thought. And it's not like they're not thinking they maybe are they're maybe choosing not to think they maybe just don't know what to be thinking about it's a lack of thought we're saying like how can they think that that's okay they're not thinking is this okay they haven't been taught to at every step of a day examine if the thing you're currently doing is okay to do and i think a big part of the problem is that young people um, are not taught about power dynamics in school they're not talking about power paradigms at home. They're not talking about paradigms by the media. And I think the reason for that is because having a nation of people who aren't very well informed about how to examine power dynamics leads to a nation that is easy to manipulate. And then a byproduct of that is that you've got a bunch of, let's just try not to be too polite here, men who are driven by sexual desires and a misunderstanding of power dynamics or an inability to examine power dynamics leads to no thought. So the problem isn't that they think this is good because it's good for me. The problem is that they just don't think. All they are is led by a lack of self-examination. Yep. So what's the solution? The solution is this education. And you, that's what we're seeing on social media now is people sharing their stories. That is education. It's people encouraging others to empathize. That is education. And it has to go back to school age. And you might say, hey, why would you teach young men that they are monsters? No, teach them not to be. 
There's a lot of people who say that we got to defend the kids and keep their brains pure and not teach them like biases and monstrous stuff. Yeah. Don't, you don't have to mention that specifically. Just teach them about paradynamics. Teach them about empathy. Teach them about humans and yep. the, 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 like how, how, it, how social interaction works. And there isn't that. All we get taught is, hey, boys, go play football. Okay, let's move on and talk about some of the other headlines from this week. Uh, this is the news that Boris Johnson, of course, our fearless leader, Indeed, yes. has once again... Been accused of misleading Parliament. Well, he's been which... found to have misled Parliament. It's not even accused at this point. Okay, he did it right. So uh, this is uh, based off the fact that Boris had stood up in the House of Commons and reassured MPs and the public that all COVID-related contracts were on the record. However, the final order handed down by the judge at the High Court today shows that what the Prime Minister told the House was not true. So uh, essentially, the government had missed out hundreds of 708 relevant contracts for COVID-19, kept them to themselves, kept them hidden, and had uh, published the rest. So that's uh, almost a fifth of the contracts which are still uh, hidden from public view. So it sounds like they haven't really been published, I guess. The the one I was thinking of, and this is before I opened this story, was that Boris had also accused Sir Keir Starmer of voting a certain way I want to say in relation to the uh, yeah, yeah. the pay rise for NHS staff, and this was this was again factually incorrect, just a lie. And uh, yeah, so he had actually lied, which is misleading Parliament. Yeah, but everybody who a week ago was saying that Nicola needs to quit because she maybe misled Parliament is now like, you don't know if Boris knew he was lying. You don't know if he if he knew the truth. He might have actually believed what he was saying, and that's not misleading Parliament. It's the the coin flip is hilarious. I, I saw yeah a clip of a I want to say Stephen Jordan from the BBC speaking to Douglas Ross, who is the leader of the Scottish Conservatives, saying, oh, "Hold on a second now." You want Nicola Sturgeon to resign <laughs> yeah. after accusing her of misleading Parliament. Yeah. Three of your peers in Westminster, including the Prime Minister, have either broken the ministerial code yeah. or misled Parliament. Yeah. Why haven't they weren't you calling for their resignations? And he said, Oh, you're you're comparing two different situations entirely. It's it's Definitely. apples and pears. Misleading Parliament is totally different to misleading Parliament. <laughs> okay. Again, James, we're, we're at a stage now, and I've mentioned this a few weeks ago, where no minister ever needs to resign ever again, because all well, they need to do is just wait it out for a few weeks, and the storm will blow over and something else will come along, or, in the case of the Prime Minister, you just ignore it, yeah, pretend it didn't it. happen, and you just carry on. Yeah, waiting and ignoring seems to be the way things are currently going, however... I like I I think that some of the stuff that is coming out about people within parliament government and that are going to lead to something eventually resignations from some people over things they have done um at the very least like stepping down and letting somebody else represent their place no. for the next elections and stuff like that because we we're, we're getting some really harmful reports about uh, people's conduct uh, investigations are being concluded into into people like um, Pretty Patel uh, over her bullying. Um, we've got endless um, lies from PM and whatnot. But you know, I think I think some of these sh- are there's there, I just don't see a way where a hundred percent of all of these abuses, literal abuses, and then also ministerial. 
uh, lies and stuff like that do not lead to something after whatever investigations take place. I don't think we've seen this happen in in the UK to this extent before. So surely it leads somewhere. Well, you'd like to think so. But as we mentioned, the support for the Tories has actually gone up during the pandemic, which is which is staggering. Yeah. And yeah. beggars belief, but it has. So I don't see there is any appetite. Yeah. Particularly when you have a weak opposition leader in Sir Keir Starmer, that anything's actually gonna happen. I don't I don't see what Labour's game plan is. Like again, we, we talked about it last week. The n- n- nurses are getting a tiny, tiny pay rise and a real terms pay cut uh, in the next budget. And what's Labour's response? Instead of like saying, hey, the manifesto said this, we should start from there. Or instead of listening to, uh, I don't remember what it was, a, nur- a nursing union or something who were saying that it should actually be like a really big like 12% pay rise because of the years and years of pay freezes. They're going, no, we got to start by by negotiating from where the government are. I'm like, well, what? You want to start your negotiations at, at, at 1% as the opposition? When you've got a manifesto and the government had a manifesto with a bigger percentage, where you're getting all sorts of advisors who are saying things are bigger? What is Labour's game plan? How long can they plan to do nothing? I would say several years. At this rate, because so it seems, I have zero confidence in any sort of swing towards yeah. their party. I mean, Boris is—I think Boris has a higher approval rating than Keir. He—he's getting voted as the more prime ministerial. Still, I—I I still don't understand how people think Boris is prime ministerial. Nope. But it's just—it's just media lies. I am assuming that are leading people to have these beliefs. My goodness, I—there is no way out. Like I'm saying, maybe we'll get some repercussions. It's still not going to lead to a conservative voter collapse. They're going to be in forever. <laughs> like There's no escaping this. To me, it comes back to the power of the media because we talked about when the UK hit the, the, the 100,000 COVID deaths and the picture on the front page was of Boris with his bowed head. Yeah. And all the headlines were... Oh, bless him, he tried. It's disgusting. You know, what a, what a great stoic effort. Stiff upper lip, gentlemen. Yeah. We've, we've, we soldier on regardless. Yeah. Whereas if, it, if that had been a Labour Prime Minister with a Tory supporting press, they would have torn him to shreds. Yeah. And demanded his resignation, demanded he step down. Yeah. And that would have then led to a further groundswell from politicians and the wider public. Yeah. So until we see a switch to a either a more impartial media, which I do not believe will happen, if anything, it will become more and more partisan, then I don't see any way out of a yeah. extended period of a, of a conservative government. Yeah. And, and the worst thing about the partisan media, if we go down America's route, is that it's basically partisan between people who are centrists and people who are hard right. And there is no left wing voice. Yeah, uh, There currently is, I don't think, uh, a significant newspaper outlet or media outlet who is significantly left-wing that I think, hey, they represent me. Not a single one. However, if I had like very hard right-leaning beliefs, there's a, there's a few. Take your pick. If I was centre-right, there's countless, right? But there's not a, there's there's nothing beyond like the Guardian and their their very centrist stance on almost everything to represent a legitimate opposition beliefs to a Tory government.
Right, James, it's time to talk entertainment because we have a TV show to dissect here. Oh, yeah. And I have a total of three movies well done. Uh, to uh, to give you my thoughts on. Although I have seen all of them before, so it's going to be rapid fire, quick time. Absolutely. Before yeah. we talk about WandaVision. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, let me just fire through these because I've seen them all before. We've talked about them before. Spider-Man Far From Home. This is the most recent Marvel movie with Jake Gyllenhaal as the, uh, I want to say, lead, co-lead with Tom Holland. Won't go into any spoilers. He plays Mysterio. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, movie's, the movie is fun. You know, it's a bit different, but, you know, it's still Marvel. And, uh, of course, it ends in a giant CGI boss fight. Zendaya is great. Tom Holland's great. Jake Gyllenhaal's great. But the film just is kind of there. Yeah. So, if, in terms of all-time Spidey movies, it is firmly in the middle. It is acceptable. Okay, moving on. Jojo Rabbit. I love this movie so much. It is just... Yeah. It's joyous and it's heartbreaking and Taika Waititi is uh, fantastic. Roman Griffin Davis and Thomason McKenzie, who play the two lead roles of the, the kids in this film, are sublime. It's on Now TV if you want to be very sneaky and get your seven-day free trial and cancel before they start charging you. <laughs> it is there. If you've not seen it, it won a bunch of Oscars, loads of awards. It is a lot of fun and it will break your heart. It is so good. It is It is. It is genuinely one of the best films of the of the, of the millennium. Oh yeah, absolutely. So and also the supporting cast. Can I just say, if I could be anybody in the world, I would be <laughs> Sam Rockwell in this movie. I know. I he's know that just, was always coming. He's oh, I love Sam Rockwell. I wish I was Sam Rockwell. Okay. He does. He does good. He's so good. Right. Final movie before we talk about One Division, Baby Driver. This was the 2017 movie directed by Edgar Wright, who did the likes of Hot Fuzz, Shaun of the Dead, etc. Uh, this is one of the most fun movies that I have ever seen. Uh, there's I agree. joy bursts through every single scene. There's so much synchronicity. I don't know that's the word, but synchronicity going through this movie, whether that's the lyrics of the songs that Baby is listening to all the time because of his tinnitus. Tinnitus, yeah. The lyrics being painted in the graffiti behind the, you know, down the street as he's walking, or yeah. it's the gunshots that are hitting in time with whatever song he's listening to. They used music so well. It is, yeah. you know, the soundtrack's first class. The cast is brilliant. Ansel Elgort as the uh, lead Baby is very, very good. But Jamie Fox is phenomenal. John Hamm, Lily James, all good, and uh, also Kevin Spacey, but we don't talk about yeah, him. Yeah, but he's playing slimy boys, so it's fitting. Yeah, indeed. The th- the problem with this movie is that it lacks any real depth, yeah. especially the two female-named characters, who, of course, do not even have a conversation, so complete <laughs> failure of the Bechdel test. Uh, the ending is a bit silly slash cliche, but... To me, it's forgivable because of everything that's come before it. Yeah. And if you're think if you go into it thinking too much about it, then you're you're not going to enjoy it. So you disengage your brain. Yeah. You sit back. You enjoy the essentially the choreography of of how this movie is put together. You enjoy the the performances and the music. Yeah, it's an artwork. And it's it's honestly such a good time. It's also a now TV. Go check it out. Right, James, yeah. time to talk about WandaVision. Oh, I wanted to say that, hey, I agree. The film didn't promise any intelligence. It didn't promise depth, but it delivered perfectly on everything that it did promise. And also, it's got really good driving and legit, legitimately impressive driving stunt work. Oh, absolutely. Let's talk about the stunt work again. Stunt men and stunt drivers and stunt women and stunt anybody. Spectacular. Yeah, I, I, I'd say in this movie, the, the CGI stuff is almost... 
unnoticeable. Yeah. You know, I, I would say the vast majority of, of all the stunts were actually done, if not all the stunts were actually done. Yeah. Sometimes if they they add some extra obstacles in post, but the the driving maneuvers are almost all real, as far go. as I'm aware. So just before we go into one division, for those of you who are wondering why we're talking about one division, this is uh, the Marvel movie. Sorry, yeah. this is the Marvel TV show, <laughs> hey, which is on Disney Plus. It's the first one since they've uh, come to Disney Plus, and it stars. Wanda Maximoff, who is uh, played by Elizabeth Olsen, was in several Avengers movies, and Paul Bettany as Vision, hence Wanda Vision, which is kind of like television. Yeah, I still hate it. It's still really underwhelming, but at least it is justified. Uh, And this is off the back of the end of the entire first Marvel franchise thing, where uh, Vision is dead, and Wanda is very sad. So James, <laughs> that sets up the TV show. Yeah. What do you think? Um, it was it was pretty good TV. Um, nothing to write. I wouldn't write home about it. You know, I wouldn't tell my mum to watch it. Uh, it wasn't that spectacular. It was better than I thought it was going to be. Um, they they did nail a lot of the TV feel of the show because they had to feel they had to get a lot of different TV feels in there. They did. Uh, but overall, though, it was just it was just all right. Uh, the performances are probably the best element of it. The writing is less clever than people are giving it credit for. Uh, the philosophy is less intelligent than people are giving it credit for. Okay. Uh, overall, the most the the biggest thing for me was just actually fleshing out the characters, like 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 you don't get to do in a film, and letting the actors properly explore the characters. That was good. So I would largely agree. I would start by saying, Marvel tried something totally new with this yeah well, I like that yeah they tried something totally new for the first three episodes <laughs> and in the first three episodes it worked you know I was yeah. I was in I was completely in because I particularly after the first couple had no idea what was going on right and I think in some respects they had taken lessons from the HBO series Watchmen which essentially held all its cards up its sleeve and only gave out one at a time yeah. per episode so that when you went into the final episode it was only then that you knew what was going on whereas they did something similar here but they they held they, they gave out most of the cards at the end of episode 3 start of episode 4 and they maybe held on to the last one uh, with a couple of episodes to go so to an extent Particularly the first three episodes, I was really on board with this because it was new, it was fresh, it did not feel like Marvel. Yeah. And then when you get once you get to episode four, uh, yeah, no. it's just back to kind of standard Marvel fare. It, it still had flavor. It still had some flavor. It still had a couple yeah. of tricks up its sleeve. But you're right. It, I, I as the show progressed, I was less invested. So a, a couple of points I want to discuss. I would agree the acting is is excellent. Catherine Han is phenomenal. Yeah. And then of course you've got Elizabeth Olsen, Paul Bettany, uh, Randall Park, who is reprising his role from the Ant Man series. And uh, Tayona Paris, who is uh, playing a grown-up version of her character from Captain Marvel. So there are lots of uh, Easter eggs and references in there. Yeah, there, w- there was clever things like that. Indeed. There were. Uh, the, the chemistry, I felt, was good. And it was, as you say, it was great to actually spend time with characters who were able to flesh out more of who they are. Mm-hmm. My main problem with this, and I do feel there's lots of routes that they can take for a, either a season two or in Doctor Strange 2, which... Um, Wanda is actually in. 
Yeah. I didn't feel like this show needed a villain. I thought that actually you could have explained who the 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 actual who the villain turned out to be. You could have given her some completely different role. It could have been something completely different as to what it was because I felt that Wanda by herself and that exploration of grief that she was going through would have been strong enough yeah. to hang the rest of the series onto if they had gone down that direction. Now, I've got a, a, a theory as to why. Because they wanted, they still wanted Wanda to be likable and like a good guy. Yeah, they didn't want it. To, yeah, they didn't want it to be all her fault, but it was. So, so that's my problem. Which is, if you watch the show, I'd be really interested to see if anyone else has has watched the show. And also, just to let you know, there are nine episodes and they're about twenty five minutes long. So it's very. Yeah, don't watch the credits. <laughs> yeah, the same credits every single episode. There's so twenty minutes of them. It's very very bite sized chunks. Very watchable. Yeah. So. I'd be interested to hear what other people think because from my perspective, it was Wanda does something in this entire TV show which is troubling. Well, it's, 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 it's pretty evil. She's it being is. pretty evil. It's evil. It is evil. And at the end of the show, she just walks off scot-free. Yeah. And the, the next time you see her in a post credit scene, because of course there's post credit scenes, she's just chilling by a lake, doing her thing. Well, she's she's trying to learn the magic. Right. And she hears the the voice... Of somebody okay. calling to her for for help. Okay, but th- th- my point is, there's no accountability. Yeah, but that might happen in, in like strange, I guess. For her, for her actions, but but not even in the at the time. You know, the, yeah. the people in this show who are under the t- said affliction, they just made some angry faces at her. They made some angry faces, but in two in two occasions, they actually asked her to let them die. Yeah, like it was really bad. So so that's my. My point is that I don't feel this show needed a villain because she was, she villain. was the villain yeah. and also happened to be the protagonist. Yeah. But it was you, you were you were given a solid logical explanation as to why she had done that. Yeah. And as to it, yeah. why she had taken the action she did. They just added two extra villains to try and progress yes. other storylines. So they have one one villain whose 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 purpose is to progress the storyline of Hey, we we kind of like Paul Bettany. Let's have him stick around. <laughs> Let's keep um, him around. And another villain whose sto- whose job was just like, hey, give give Wanda a book of magic by being the bad guy, though. And that was it. And I I agree. I think it cheapens all of the self examination that she went through because it was forced upon her by a villain rather than being something that she was doing herself. So if and all that stuff. Yeah. So if it were me, I would have rewritten the script to. Just keep the focus on the fact that Wanda was dealing with this incredible amount of grief, and this was her way of dealing with it. Even though it has mass had massive consequences for this poor town that she was staying in, and I would have left it there without the gratuitous, as you say, addition of two villains who are only there to essentially plant seeds for further movies or series, and as you say, to keep Paul Bettany around because he's Paul Bettany. Yeah, but to to me, this was a solid, like a solid if unspectacular start. To the Marvel's official TV it, it, shows, I I would I would I would rather watch this than quite a lot of their films, though. So that's a good point. Step up. So their next series, which is the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, starts next week. An even more boring name. <laughs> I'd, uh, I would be very very surprised if it's anywhere near as yeah. bold as this show started out to be. Yeah, but uh, you know what? I'll, I'll watch it. Why not? Uh, yeah, sure. I, I can. I, I might as well. Don't want to waste somebody else's Disney Plus money. Okay. 
All right, let's uh, let's move on. A couple more uh, news items to discuss. Let's talk about Rangers uh, before we finish up with some lockdown restrictions being eased. This is the news that after 10 years, Steven Gerrard and his band of hardy men kicked the ball more successfully than the other teams yeah, won the league. They, they finally did the football better enough than their opponents who completely collapsed that um, they, they've won. <laughs> they have. So this is the news. The that first title ever. <laughs> for a steady. Their first title in 10 years, ending Celtic's run of nine in a row. But I'm less interested in that, James. I'm more interested in the fallout, which was... Yeah, right, yeah. Well, the fallout, fallout part one is all the Celtic fans who had 10 in a row tattoos. <laughs> I feel for them. <laughs> Okay, second part. Thousands of Rangers fans then descended on George Square in Glasgow City yeah, Centre. And other places. And other places. There were some in Northampton. There were some in Belfast. And uh, they all gathered because, you know, their, their men were better mm-hmm. than the other men at kicking a ball. Yeah. And they all had, uh, there were fireworks, there were drunks, there were arrests, and there were police. They were peeing on statues. They were indeed the statues that they were protecting last year, James. The statues that I would wonder how many of them were so vehemently de- protecting from not being destroyed last year. Uh, and what we also had in Glasgow was the destruction of memorial benches, which yeah, disgusting. was horrendous indeed. And the, the pictures of the aftermath of the broken uh, benches, the glass, the rubbish, the bags, it was horrendous. Now, a couple of points here. The first one being that the fallout of this has been the Scottish government saying, Rangers should have done something about this. Why didn't you shut this down or tell your supporters to go home? And th- Yeah, and they, they, they kind of did. Yeah, they could have done a better job, but they, they did something. I, I agree. They, they Yeah, like, I agree that the government kind of tried to pin it all on, on, on the Rangers, and the Rangers had actually try to engage with government and police to try and preempt this stuff happening and try and find ways to minimize it. So overall, it's just a failure of this of the whole system, government included. Okay. But then the, the Rangers are also saying, uh, hey, it would have been disrespectful to like preemptively tell people not to celebrate when we win the title. And I'm like, then don't preempt the when. Say if. If we win, don't do this stuff. Like if we win this week, don't smash stuff. If we win next week, don't smash stuff. You know, you don't have to say, hey, when we beat St. Mirren, don't smash things. Ultimately, I don't agree that even if Rangers had tweeted something or no. told their supporters to do something, the, the fans are not going to say, you know what? You know what, Twitter? You're right. It's not going to make a difference. I'm just going to stay at home. Absolutely not. Would have done absolutely nothing. They would have gathered anyway. Yeah, so they did a little. They could have done more. But even if they did more, it wouldn't have changed a thing. This is a fail- This is a policing failure right. through and through. So, so the other issue then is the police who were there were essentially there to make sure that everybody just went home, but without enforcing it. So I believe it was only something like 20 <laughs> fines were handed out and there was maybe a few thousand people there. Ooh. And in terms of... Well, yeah, they didn't want to find their mates. <laughs> in terms of what the police were actually doing, most of the footage I saw were just the officers standing around waiting for them yeah. to go home because their view yeah. was if we engage, if we start kettling these supporters, it's going to be worse. Which and it part of me understands that. But as you say, to me, it's a, it's a fault of the policing to not cut this off of the head before it actually got to thousands of people in George Square. Yep, yep, yep. And we may we may see like footage being examined and people being fined after the fact. You know. Capitol Hill style. Yeah, exactly. We'll get the FBI in. 
<laughs> we'll get to that in a we'll second. borrow them. Furthermore to this, the Rangers v Celtic game that's on the horizon is now in question because the government oh, boy. are unconvinced that we will not see a repeat of the scenes that we saw in George Square. Yeah. And my final point from all this, James, is it's incredibly frustrating to see thousands of grown-ass men. Now, don't get me wrong, I love football. Football's great. But I'm not the kind of person who's going to go wild at George Square because my team won. Yeah. That being said, it's incredibly frustrating to see thousands of these essentially hooligans gather in George Square and do whatever they like with largely impunity from consequences whilst the rest of us behave ourselves and have been continuing to obey the rules ever since. Yep, no, this mass gathering will have spiked the virus and um, will prolong some form of lockdown somewhere for sure. So it's uh, it's upsetting to have people uh, spoil such things. Again, this goes back to the conversation we had earlier about education, but I I don't I think it's beyond that because I think it's just down to selfish human nature. Well, people yeah, who part. who have been cooped up for a long time and now have a reason to celebrate and a an urge to go out and be out with other people and say right yeah. you know screw it we've been in lockdown for X number of months I'm just going to go anyway right. without actually thinking through well what about other people yeah but people also identify with the success of their sports team harder when they struggle more with their own identity um so because we've got a system in the UK which slammed Glasgow in particular and completely drained it of uh, wealth and opportunity, yep. and the uh, same happened to other cities and areas, it removes uh, an ability to identify yourself and to have a path and a success and also social circles that are detached from your football team's success. So when people... Ha- end up having this massive amount of their identity tied into a certain thing and a victory of that certain thing. Of course it leads to this. So again, this comes back to massive and prolonged failures of the entire UK government. Thank you. Okay, time is running out. Let's just talk about the easing of restrictions because as of today, James, in Scotland, up to four adults from two different households can now meet outside, including in private gardens... Uh, and you can also use the bathroom. Yeah. You're also uh, outdoor group sports for people aged over 12 <laughs> Wait, can resume. I can use the bathroom now. I've been holding for a year. <laughs> it's impressive. And uh, under 18s can also travel across local authority boundaries to attend a sports club. So there we go. Mm, that's nice. The R number for Scotland, or sorry, the R number for the UK. Yeah is meant to be between 0.6 and 0.8 at this point in time, which means that... Yeah, but cases are rising. Fewer people are being infected. But as you say, James, yes, the virus is uh, essentially levelled off in Scotland, which is uh, disheartening yeah, we're, we're, as we come up to the year. Yeah, we're, we're tracking... We're tra- if, if we get keep, keep doing the current small rise, we are tracking to be increasing again. Joys. We've been around 500, 600 for a week or a, week or a bit. But it's going up again. But the question the question raises from that is like, when the virus hasn't kept going down, are the governments still sticking to their strategy of open up things? So far, yes. When are they going to stop doing that? We don't know. Well, more and more, as the as we see with the vaccine rollout, it's it's now all over sixties have been vaccinated. Yeah, yeah. No, there's lots of very successful vaccination programs. Yeah, and the news has been really encouraging. You know, yeah. even I, I want to say the Pfizer study from Israel found that actually the vaccine was 97% effective and a vaccinated person could sit in a room with a positive COVID case and not catch the virus. Yeah. Which is great. That's good news. 
But my, my question then, and this is, again, pure speculation, is at what point do we get to the to a point where the cases are still coming in because, let's face it, this COVID is not going to go down to zero. It's just not going to happen. That we're able to exist as a society with without these sorts of restrictions and life goes on. Well, yeah, you know, when do we get to that point? It's when the number of total cases doesn't cripple the hospital infrastructure, for example, uh, which they still are doing. We still have wards packed out. We still have massive waiting times for basic appointments and stuff like that. When we reach a point where that isn't occurring, we're probably back to treating it like we're normal, even though there's cases around, and just deal with the ones that are happening. Okay, well, let's uh, finish off the show with some talk about what's happening stateside and starting with restrictions, which, if you're living in Texas or Mississippi, have been list, uh, have been lifted completely entirely. Yeah, which means you can essentially just go back to the way things were, even though the fact uh, Texas has more, or rather, last week recorded more cases of new uh, COVID infections yeah. than the UK did, despite having half the population. So James, it's astounding. This seems absolute insanity to me. Yeah, but they're doing it for political reasons. And those political reasons are so cultishly adored by the people who believe in them that it's not going to change any of their minds. So this strategy in the long term will probably work. People do not care about the numbers or the deaths so long as they have their freedom, I guess. Yep. Okay. I feel pretty free myself, to be honest. Um, you know... I'm freely choosing to uh, uphold the democratic process of my country. Uh, I'm freely choosing to, uh, as a society, protect those who need it. Uh, I don't. I don't see. I don't see why people are so caught up on like, if if a democratic process leads to you giving up some sort of liberty, that it actually means you are you are not free anymore. It's it's a strange argument to me. Well, reflecting on the decision, President Joe Biden called it Neanderthal thinking, which of course led to... Uh, uh, Neanderthals were smarter than this. <laughs> yep, fair point. But uh, following on from that, let's talk about Mr. Biden, who this week... <laughs> who may be, may be smarter than a Neanderthal. Who may also himself be a Neanderthal. Uh, slowly losing his mind. He passed this week a $1.9 trillion, I want to say, stimulus yeah. package. Uh, a mega victory. What I saw this week, James, was uh, some videos on social media of all the things that Biden had said in the run-up to the election. <laughs> yeah. uh, these promises of things that he was going to do, followed by the gif of Catherine Han from WandaVision winking at the camera. Oh, the wink, yeah. And... Uh, it was a damning indictment of what Biden has done slash not done yeah. over the last uh, couple of months. So yeah. what's, what's what's your general thoughts? I know you've got more of a stake in the States than I do. What's your general thoughts on, on what Biden has done with the stimulus package and just generally in the, the first couple of months of his reign? Yeah, no, it, it, surprise, the Democrats didn't intend to do the things they said they were going to do. Wow. Um, I, I respect their commitment to trying to paint it as a victory. Bernie is also on board trying to paint it as a victory. They have to. They have to paint this as a victory because not a single Republican voted for it and therefore it is a win. Yep. However, it is an indictment of the state, of the Democratic Party, that they had to negotiate away a basic minimum wage rise to something that is basically still poverty. Um, they had to negotiate down the num the total uh, amount on the checks. They had to negotiate away so many of the things that they promised to please their own party members. 
right? They got there are party members who saw Biden get voted in by the majority of their population on a platform, and those same party members are going, "Nah, the platform's platform's not good enough. We need to we need to be a bit more Republican," and it's it's embarrassing. What I saw with the minimum wage votes, for for instance, this was the discussion that was being had uh, at the I want to say the Senate, where. The, the the main issue was, hey, let's raise minimum wage from $7.50, yeah. which is about a fiver, maybe a little bit above that, to $15 yeah. an hour, which is much more manageable. Still not great, but much better. Yeah. And the amount of Democrats who voted against this, and one of whom in particular, I cannot remember her name. Eight, eight, 80 voted against it, right? Which in the Senate is like 20%. There was one senator in particular who's a woman who has a K at the start of her name. I can't remember what it was. Kirsten Kirsten Kirsten. something. Yes. Anyway, when she was walking up to put in her her no ballot against this uh, minimum wage rise, and she patted the Republican Senate leader, Mitch McConnell, on the shoulder... As if to say, watch what I'm about to do. Yeah. And then she walked up to the front and gave like the biggest thumbs down. A flamboyant, no. A flamboyant thumbs down. So the whole camera, all the cameras, everyone could see her as she uh, then voted no. Yeah. And And that to me was, I I just couldn't figure out what was going on. I realized that's a Democrat trying to get the attention of the Republican House leader. Yeah. I mean, she's. Why? Just to show that she wants to be a, a Republican? I couldn't figure it out. No, she represents a, a, a relatively purple state. She's Arizona, if I'm remembering correctly. But I, any, either way, it's a very much 50-50 state for her. So what she's trying to do is keep the support of all of the people who voted her uh, in and then also gain the support of people who who are on the red side of things, who who vote Republican. Okay. Um. So she's this is this is she doesn't believe this. Uh, a long time ago, she tweeted out that the minimum wage has been stagnant for too long and needs to be raised. She's going against her own words and beliefs. She's going against her party's beliefs. But it's because she thinks that the strategy to gain votes is not to actually do stuff. It's to do nothing and try and please very few people, and it might work. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a game to her clearly. Okay, let's finish up with the most courteous of uh, mentions to the former president, Donald Trump, who this week was in the headlines because he put out a statement to say that he hopes that everyone who was getting their China virus vaccine remembered it was him who who, who got it to the people of the States Man, five a... years quicker than anyone else would yeah, have. What a weeper. What a, what a weepo. <laughs> My goodness. That's literally all the statement said. It was like two, maybe three sentences long. Uh, please. Please remember me. But he's also been in the news this week for other reasons. Shall we just blast through them? (laughs) Okay, well, first of all, the fact that the FBI have found the Proud Boys, who are, of course, the uh, far-right militant group, were in touch with someone in the Trump White House before the riots at Capitol Hill. Which, yeah, so, so wow, what unsurprising news. It is not surprising that Trump and his team, or just his team in general, or people surrounding him were in touch with the people cause, who are, are partly responsible for the the insurrection and plenty other disgusting things. We have all known along that there would definitely be some connections between Harris and Proud Boys. The surprise, is, and it's not really a surprise because they've done it a thousand times, is the incompetence of like covering their tracks. There is direct communication between Team White House and Team Proud Boys. And 
like, why don't you just like at least have a middleman? I'm not trying to like t- teach anybody how to do a coup, but come on. Yeah, it's it's kind of like basic. If you want to have a secret conversation with someone, maybe not. Don't use your official White House email <laughs> don't address. Don't use your White House phone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The, and the other uh, headline from this week was that his final attempt to undo the votes of the election or the results of the election, particularly in the state of Wisconsin, came, of course, to a shuddering halt, and the case was thrown out. Yeah. Uh, by the justices at the uh, Wisconsin High Court. Yeah. And. That is it. 60 losses for Team Trump yeah. and one narrow victory. And that is it. It is over. Yeah, so that should be it. No more appeals to try and overturn an election that has been completely sealed. Great. Okay, well, on that happy note. Yeah, well, no, and and finally, yet more recordings have been released of Trump trying to pressure people in Georgia into, oh, yeah. into election fraud. Uh, yet more p- officials recorded their conversations where Trump was asking them to basically break the law and are releasing the tapes. Surprise. This this to me is... Is he going to go to jail for it? Please. Nope. <laughs> nope, he will not. And that is what gets me more than anything, is that here is an example of the most powerful leader in the world at the time attempting to, whether it's bribe or coerce or force by, I don't know, threat, blackmail... These people into overturning, falsely overturning the results of election, that to me is beyond criminal. It's imprisonable and it just won't happen. It will It will not happen. And it is very annoying if you can't yeah. tell. Like I, maybe, maybe the prosecutors over there don't realize that he's not president anymore. So I'm just going to say it. Trump is just a citizen now. You can take him to court for things. Please do. Okay. Right, James. Well, on that note, Let's bring this show to an end. Thank you very much for your time. It has been a pleasure as always. Absolutely. Heavy going at times, but always worthwhile. It's been it's been an episode. <laughs> Let's yeah. Well, if you've got anything to contribute to this episode, please do get in touch at Seesaw Parade on Twitter. Or if you've got something more uh, full form, long form to, to say, seesawparade at gmail.com. And unlike other podcasts, we don't reward you for writing to us. <laughs> you just get the reward of listening. And coming back. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. So thank you. We really do appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.